0: We will be talking about discipleship all this month, and uh, I want to talk to you today on an aspect of of how do you become a productive disciple, and so today I want to talk to you about the pathway to productivity in the kingdom of God. It's real plain, it's real simple, it's spelled out in this passage, and I want to share that with you. But before I do, I wanted to share with you that it was an observation of a farmer in the state of Texas here as he watched two state government employees do something very strange. He was out near his fence, and they were near an exit of an interstate highway, and he watched this state truck pull up. He watched one man get out of the truck while another man sat in the truck as he was on his tractor nearby. And he saw one man dig a hole, got a shovel out, dug a hole. And then he put the shovel back in the back of the truck, and he got back in the truck. And when he got in the truck, the other man got out. And when the other man got out, he got the same shovel out of the back of the truck, came around and took the dirt that had just been taken out of the hole, and he put it back in the hole. And the farmer watched this happen for several times as they went just a few feet down the road near this exit and did it repeatedly that they would t- dig up a hole and then cover it back up. So finally he just drove his tractor out there and he asked him, he said, Hey, hey, what are you guys doing? He said, Well, we're part of a beautification squad and uh, for the state of Texas. And, you know, one of us is a hole digger. The other is the hole cover-upper. And the guy that uh, actually puts the tree in the ground, well, he's off today. So that's what we're doing. You ever feel like that, that there's productivity going on? I mean, there's activity, but no productivity. You ever feel like that? I have felt like that in my life at times, that I'm just doing something, going through the motions, and sometimes government can seem that way, even in the great state of Texas, right? That something might happen like that, that somebody does something, undoes it, and no productivity happens as a result. I don't know if you've ever felt like that. There are moments I feel like that in my life. Today I want to take you through a passage of scripture that I think will be helpful, really, really helpful. It's Jesus telling us how to be productive in the kingdom of God. You see, we can have activity and not be productivity. And sometimes I've wondered, Lord, if if the Holy Spirit was withdrawn from the church, how many activities would still continue, but you just wouldn't be blessing it and using it because the Spirit's not in it. That's that's an interesting thing to think about, isn't it? I want to talk to you about this word that's going to appear in the first 10 verses. There is a, a verse, in fact, it's in the first 11 verses. Let me rephrase that. There's this word remain or abide, some of you will have a translation that uses the word abide, and it's the Greek term minnow. Minnow is a very interesting word because it's so key to understanding everything in this passage. Jesus uses it literally in these 10, he uses it 10 times in 11 verses. When when the Lord's talking like that, you really want to zoom in and pick up on what that means. So, it is uh, 40 times in, this, in God, this gospel of John the word minnow used, 27 times in his epistles. Uh, what does it mean to remain or abide in Christ? What does that mean? Well, let me, let me define it for you a little bit. Number one, it starts with having a, a relationship with God's son, Jesus Christ. You have to know Jesus as your Lord and Savior before you can ever even hope to start abiding or remaining with the Lord. Second, It means, and here's more of a definition for you, it means to continue or to persevere in believing. It's the idea of you being held on to and you holding on. Don't go too far with that because it fails at one point or another. God always holds us. Sometimes we fail to hold on our side. Amen? Uh, Third, it also means believing or loving obedience. You see, without faith, no life of God can come to anyone without the life of God no real fruit can be produced as you'll look at in a minute at this passage it says neither can we bear fruit unless we remain in him so how can we tell when we're remaining or abiding in Christ what does your life look like what are what are some characteristics that come out of your life to show that you are remaining and abiding in Christ well let me give you some here's a few For one thing, if you're abiding in Christ, you will produce fruit. John chapter 15, verse 2, you will produce fruit. We'll talk about what that fruit looks like today and give you a little more detail on that. Second, the believer who is abiding in Christ will have their prayers answered. John chapter 15, verse 7, that passage says some things and we'll come back to that A little later, because I think that should be clarified of what the Lord means in John 15, 7. You also experience a deepening love for Christ and for other believers. That's absolutely the truth, isn't it? You will experience that. Fourth, you will also experience joy. I don't know about you, I really like joy. I love to have joy in my life and the joy that Jesus brought. I mean, it just makes me... It makes me, um, it brings such satisfaction, doesn't it, to have joy. Different from happiness at times, but joy, the joy that Jesus gives. Well, before we go any further, let me pray. Father, bless this time. Teach us by the power of your Holy Spirit, your word. And I pray that the end end result would be that we would be productive. We'd know the path and that we would be on that path to productivity. And we ask it all in Jesus' name, amen. I want you to look with me at this passage and here's where it starts in verse 4 and 5 it says these words check it out he says remain in me and guess what word that is again it's that minnow that greek term minnow found uh 10 times in 11 these first 11 verses remain in me and i remain in you no branch can bear fruit by itself it must remain in the vine neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me did everybody hear that we can't produce spiritual fruit we cannot produce that unless we remain in Christ and He in us. Check this out. Verse 5 says, I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do what? Nothing. Nothing. The Japanese world produced something several, several centuries ago, and it's they've, they've been known for it, uh, called a Japanese... A Japanese uh, bonsai tree, and the bonsai tree has several things happen to it that produce uh, the result that you see in that little bitty tree. Some of you might be bonsai lovers; you might even have one in your home. If you do, you probably take uh, take a lot of care of it, but it never reaches its full potential, and it's because of several reasons. One thing is when the tree gets to a certain uh, development or, or development and, st- and stage, they will actually pull the tree up and they will actually cut off that taproot, that one that's in the middle, on the bottom. They will cut that off so that it does not sp- spring up to be uh, any, any further. One thing they do as well, you'll notice that any new growth that gets on the tree, those that have the tree, they trim it off. They don't let it continue to expand or grow. So that's something they keep it in a small uh, pot, so that the root base can't spread out any further. And it's something that uh, it's kept in a small compartment. It's interesting to look at look at all those things because uh, the bonsai tree, the the uh, we have a similar experience in our spiritual life that things that if they happen to us like what happens to the bonsai tree, there'll be several experiences that we'll share with with that uh, that plant. The enemies of Christ are going to try to tie off your taproot of prayer. For us as Christians, what makes us go the deepest that we possibly can is prayer, the discipline of prayer in the Christian life. The Bible makes a lot of statements about prayer and how it affects our lives. And I want to tell you something, if you're praying, you're seeking the Lord, that produces fruit of a level that we can't explain It's something that goes far beyond what we normally can experience, but the enemy of Christ is going to try to cut that off and tie off that taproot. The enemy of Christ wants to limit or delete our time in the Word of God. I need God's time in the Word. Now, in my life, I want to just use something I've used for uh, all of my ministry, and it's simply uh, the oil treatment product of STP. The reason I use STP is because you won't have a time in the Word of God. You won't have a prayer time in your life. I can just almost guarantee it if you don't have a setting, a time, and a place. A setting, a time, and a place. Now, the reason that I was so high on us having a prayer room is because I believe the statement that Jesus made when he said, if my house shall be called a house of prayer. To all the nations. That's what it's supposed to be. It's supposed to have that as a a center thrust. And the prayer room is all about having the church of Jesus Christ called the Oaks to be a church that, again, there's a deep focus. Was there already a focus on prayer? Absolutely. Sure. I saw it in many pockets of our church. But now there is a, a room that is designated for one purpose and one purpose only. Why? Because that room is going to be a part of helping us develop a church that is a house of prayer. If we don't do things the way the Lord wants them done, we can't expect God to bless us in ways that we want Him to bless and grow His work. The house of prayer, big, big deal. Now, I know if you don't have a setting, you don't have a time. If you don't have an STP in your your life, if you don't have a setting, a time, and a place, you're not going to pray you are not going to pray, and you're not going to read the Word. And you need the Word. Believe me, we need the Word. Check this out. The enemy of Christ is going to target us to keep us busy on other things so we don't share our faith with others. The enemy of Christ is going to keep us, will will keep you and give you so many opportunities of other things to keep you active from having fellowship one with another. The Bible is full of one another's. Have you noticed that? We're to love one another. We're to fellowship with one another. We're to care for one another we're to share the life of christ with one another koinonia this greek term it has so many meanings it's so much more than us just eating together boy we believe that part of the bible we see that in scripture we're like and and they ate together at first baptist jerusalem right and we're like yeah we're into that one let's do that and we do it and we do it well like like lots of churches but fellowship koinonia is so much more than that. It's about intimate sharing of life and, and faith and mentoring, and it's about being engaged with one another. And yes, we've got to engage the world, but we've got to engage with one another. So busy. Uh, people are doing that. So what are you going to do about being productive? I want to borrow a couple people. In fact, I, uh, I think, I think, I think, you two young men on the front row would be excellent at this. You really would. Jacob, come up here and lead the charge with me for just a minute. I'm not going to ask you to preach, guys, so don't worry about that. I'm not going to ask you to pray, but I am going to ask you to do something else, okay? Come on up and stand right here. In fact, get away, away from the microphone or the uh, speaker over there that it won't matter, okay? Now, I'd like you guys to stand, one of you right here, one of you right there, okay? All right. And I'm thinking, I don't know which way we should do this, but I would like for you to stand this way, and I'd like for you to lock your legs, and Jacob, what I'd like you to do is to allow him, and you're going to have to help me with your name again, Andrew. Andrew, I should know that, you sit beside me almost every week, don't you, yep. oh yeah, <laughs> Andrew, this is Andrew, this is Jacob, all right, Jacob. You're going to be Jesus. How's that? All right? I want you to put your hands right up here on his back, okay? Now, Jesus tells us to lean on him. And, you know, you've seen that illustration to death where people sit down. They say that's what it means. So I want you to let your weight continue to go back, and you let Jacob, Jesus, I should say, Jesus is going to hold you up, all right? So start leaning on him and just keep going back. Jacob, you're going to probably have to take a step or two back. And I hope you're strong. I'm, I'm, I'm hoping you are, Jesus. Jesus. I'm hoping Jesus is strong. Amen? So just drop him on back. Now, see, this is the danger point right there, you see? Right here. Here's the danger point on this illustration. He's starting to lose control of his balance. So now he really is leaning on Jesus back there, all right? So drop him on back a little more. You doing okay, Jesus? all right you're hey you're you're supposed to be all strong you do know that right all right all right you're giving up Andrew you gotta let's try this one more time let's get him back just a little further okay you're trusting Jesus all right just lock those knees all right all right keep coming back you're doing good a little more you're doing good Jesus all right all right give him a hand guys give him a hand <laughs> thanks buddy that's exactly what we're talking about, is you taking the weight off yourself and counting on yourself, depending on yourself, and Jesus, he was up to the task, wasn't he? Andrew wasn't quite sure that Jacob, Jesus, was doing that, but he, he, did, he did fine, right? You should have seen it in the first service. Somebody had a lot of trouble being Jesus this morning in the first service. That's all I'm going to say. I was like, man, did I need to pick somebody else to be Jesus? He said, no, I got this. I got this. Check this out. That illustration is so good to us because here's what it does for us. See, he, he he kept taking his weight off. That's what Jesus wants us to do. He wants us to take his word. He wants us to take the truth. He wants us to take prayer. And he wants us to lay off of ourselves and depending on ourselves and really, really lean on him. Second, Here's another principle, and this is so very important in the life of productivity, how to be productive, the pathway to productivity. Principle number two is not just leaning on Jesus, but second of all, you've got to keep learning from Jesus. You've got to just keep learning, growing, learning from Jesus. He made a big deal about this in John 14, 15, and 16, about the life of Christ is a life that's full of the Word of God and it's leaning on the Lord, walking in the Spirit. Look at this passage. I'm going to read a couple of verses. In John 15, verse 7 and 8, if you remain in me and my word remains in you. Notice the the combo there. If his word is in you and what? And my words remain in you. If you remain in me, my words remain in you. Ask whatever you wish and it will be given to you. Now, does that sound like a name-it-claim-it verse? If you take it at face value, it is. <sighs> Let me share with you a couple of things. If you walk with God, the Bible makes it crystal clear that if you pray, listen, in, Matthew, or in James chapter uh, 5, verse 17-18, it says an amazing thing in that passage. Here's what it says. It tells us these words, this principle. He said, the prayer of a righteous man, and ladies, don't count yourself out, the prayer of a righteous woman is powerful and effective is the way it's worded in the NIV. Is that true? Absolutely. James is repeating what Jesus said here. Here's the thing that we've got to watch with this. Somebody that is walking with God, that's a powerful individual in their prayer life. Powerful. You want people like that praying for you. Listen, when I see somebody really walking with God, the next thing I want to do is enroll them in the Barry Jude School of of Prayer Support. I do, because I know those folks, they've got God's ear in a special way. Not that anybody couldn't have God's ear. You follow me? But then, uh, just like I was talking with somebody just, just recently about Psalm 34, 7. Psalm 34, 7 is a passage that's very similar to this passage we just read in John 15, 7. Here's what it says. Delight yourself in the Lord, and He will give you the desires of your heart. Now, in charismatic circles, they take this as a name-it-claim-it kind of verse. But let me tell you the real struggle in my heart with that theology. That theology will lend, lend itself to something... And yes, God will allow you to ask Him for great things. In fact, in the book of Ephesians, He says that you can ask Him for things that are greater than you can imagine because He can do more than that. But listen to this. Here's my real problem with that interpretation as being the only understanding of that passage. Here's the problem. The role of God as being Lord over our lives and we being servants gets reversed. And next thing you know, here's what's going on. You've got us as servants telling God, do this, do that, do this, do that. You will not find that consistent in the Bible, will you? There's a problem with that theology. You've got to watch that. We can never reverse roles where we tell God what to do. Bury Jude and so are you. You are his servant servants obey their master their leader amen that's part of that role it's so important we understand that is there power in our prayer life and asking god for things when we walk with him that other people won't see or experience if they don't walk with god on that level and the answer to that is absolutely yes there are things that you have in your life blessings that you have in your life but the danger of that theology let me tell you a couple of things If you are abiding in Christ, what happens as a result of that? Things that you are for change. You start taking on the mind of Christ, don't you? And the things that you desire and are therefore praying for are already in agreement with God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. You follow me? Let me take you to another place when you say delight yourself in the Lord and he'll give you the desires of your heart and they'll say well that's a name it claim it verse 2 I can claim this certain car I can claim this house well try that theology and see how well that works for you sooner or later you're going to run into a stumble, stumbling spot where God doesn't seem to answer that prayer the way you prayed it maybe you get a Volkswagen instead of a Mercedes Mercedes Did God fail you? Did He not answer the prayer? Maybe you get a house that's a $250,000 house instead of a mansion that's a million-dollar home. Well, you you asked God for it. You named it and claimed it. Listen, that's where that theology really breaks down. God may have something else, and it is not just adequate. It's best for you. Because, see, our stuff here on the earth, it's not about the stuff that we accumulate and have in life. It's about serving God and taking people to heaven with us, and that's what really counts. Materialism is a foreign god. It is. If you've got a car that gets you from point A to point B, blessed are you. Now, I love cars. Some of you that have hung out with me know that. I really dig sports cars. I mean, I'm all. I mean, I, I get way into them. And if it's a Lamborghini, man, I'm slobbering, you know. If it's an American Corvette, I'm like, whoa, that was my dream car when I was a little boy, you know. I got a uh, Z28 when I was uh, in Arizona. I was almost forty years old. Kind <laughs> of catch where that's going little midlife crisis in the pastor's life. I got this nice looking, now my wife's favorite color is blue. So I got a blue Z28. I brought it home, and of course the salesman was a slick salesman. You know what he said? He said, man, I can tell you really like that car. Won't you keep it for the weekend? That's back when they did that, you know. So I I kept it for the weekend. I know more and got it home. And Kima said, "What are you doing?" I said, "I'm." She said, "You were driving a Nissan. What was that little car? I've for, a Sentra, I think. I had a Nissan Sentra. That I, I mean, I'd run, I'd rolled, run it, the wheels off of it. Got good gas mileage you know, lots of good reasons to drive it. It wasn't American made, but it was, you know, it was a good, good little car. I rolled, I, I don't even remember how many miles. It was dead. It was dead. It's gone." Grandfather ran a Chevrolet garage, and the Corvette Z, they were all, my grandmother had a Z, I told you that story. Anyway, I, I had a Z now. I had a Z, T-Tops. I could talk to God with those tops off, just so. <laughs> I brought that thing home. Now, it wasn't just a Z-28. It was a Z-28, and it was a Z-28 with a LT1 Corvette engine in it. This thing, amen. It would run like a scalded dog, man. I mean, you put the foot down, you better, you better have the steel, uh, the wheel straight, or you might be all over the road. You might be doing donuts everywhere. I mean, it, it would get on, get it on. I take it home. Kim was like, "Do you know that you're a pastor? Have you lost your mind?" I said, "Well, you know, maybe this is my midlife crisis, and that's a whole lot better than getting a, a new wife." that didn't go over that didn't go over didn't help me a bit but the best thing that happens we went to church on sunday and my deacon chairman and his wife are walking in the door with us and kema takes this moment to try to to help the holy spirit work on barry jude in the car that i've just maybe purchased so we get in there and she she says to me she said hey there's bernie and linda man they're godly folks that's, and their daughter had a Z-28, too, by the way, their daughter. And so Bernie and Linda are walking in, and Kima goes, Bernie, Linda, look, look what Barry's driving and thinking about buying this weekend. The salesman gave it to him for the weekend to, to drive. And uh, what do you think about that? And that, that godly couple <laughs> that I love. And still love, and she's gone to be with the Lord, looked at me and said we don't care what kind of car Barry drives, we know he loves the Lord, and he, lo- he, loves, he loves all of us, and he, if he wants to drive a Z28, let him drive a Z28, I'm like, yes! Yes! Godly people standing up for my Z28. Anyway, God Sometimes even let you have some of these things you want. And I drove that car for a while until we moved to Ohio, and then it went through one winter. And God told me to get rid of that car. One night it took me three hours to get home because I couldn't get up the hill. I, couldn't, I kept spinning out. I was in people's yards. I was all over the place so I got rid of my Z28, but I had it for several years. I enjoyed it, and I still to this day, I don't know if Kemo would say that was the Lord's will, but see, I like that car. But hey, hey, here's the bottom line. God gives you transportation from point A to point B. That's, that's the key, right? I know my story doesn't really go with that, but I mean, that, that's one time God let me, let me have that. I drive a Jeep Cherokee now. My wife's got the little hot sports car that the top goes down on and then folds back up because you better have that in Ohio. You better have a real hard top. So her car's old. It's in the shop. Well, it's at home now, but it's going back to the shop on Monday. But uh, it'll be like the other cars that we've had. I will have to pry the keys out of Kimma's hand because she 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 just keeps it, and she says, you ought to be glad about that that I keep what I got. Yeah, you'll get that later on. Lunch, that'll dawn on you what I said. That was a marriage point right there, all right? You must continue to learn from Jesus, and we need a daily time with God, don't we? The Bible says all Scripture is God-breathed and useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, training in righteousness so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. The Bible also tells us this, every time Jesus was tempted when he was in that encounter with, with Satan, you may remember he uttered these words, it is written. It is written. You see, God's word gives us the place to stand on. It's far above us. Like newborn babes crave pure spiritual milk, so may you grow up in your salvation. 1 Peter 2.2. Two. Listen to this one in Hebrews chapter 12, 5, verse 12. It says, in fact, by this time some of you should be teachers, you need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's Word all over again. You need milk, not, not solid food. Anyone who lives on milk being still an infant is not acquainted with the teachings of, about righteousness, but solid food is for the mature, who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. The best insulation you can possibly have in your Christian life is to know what the Word of God says. And then live that out. It insulates you. You know what he says and what he wants from you. You need to have a daily time with God. You need to do what Martin Luther did. He, he says, I am so busy. I have so much to do today. I need to spend another hour on my knees in prayer. How about that? Instead of hurrying prayer, he needed more time. Some prayer suggestions for you. Journaling journaling has helped me immensely the last 15 years of my 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 own walk with christ i just got where i wasn't as focused in my prayer life journaling has helped me so much with that and uh the prayer room uh over here i want to ask you to to pray the tacos you've heard you've heard pray the acts i want to talk to you since we're here in our area we man we fell in love with taco tuesday already i'll just tell you all right <laughs> I mean, Taco Tuesday, that's like a God thing. I think tacos are going to be in heaven, don't you? Man, I mean, we love Mexican food. We love it. And when we lived out in Arizona, we got spoiled rotten. There were so many Mexican restaurants. And then we moved to Ohio, and they don't even know what that is. We'd eat at some place. they call Mexican, and we're like, what was that? I think it was an enchilada. I said, well, no, I thought I was eating a tostada. Man, I don't, I don't know. What was that? Anyway, we, we love tacos. We're looking for Taco Thursday someplace. I mean, we love it. It's awesome. I want you to pray the tacos. This is for you because this is the area we're in. Pray the tacos. Here's the tacos. T is for Thanksgiving. A is for Adoration. C is for Confession. O is for Others. S is for Supplication. Pray the tacos. Pray the tacos. Pray the tacos. That's a good formula. It's a a good biblical formula, just like praying the acts, which was adoration, confession, thanksgiving, supplication. And that's been such a traditional one. I like the taco ones better for some reason now. I don't know. Prayer walking, prayer room ministry. Man, these are great ways to just fire up some more prayer in your life. I want to tell you something. If you need exercise, prayer walking, prayer running, these are things, uh, listen, to to do the thing with the, uh, the earbuds and get into a place where you're listening to some preaching or, or listen to scripture while you're doing those things and praying while you're walking. And we've got the prayer room. Listen, we need to use this room like a spoon, man. It needs to be a part of all of our lives that the prayer room here at our church. Because, listen, it's going to help us be obedient to making What Jesus said true in the life of the Oaks. There are lots of prayer pockets in our church. Lots of groups praying. But that prayer room is about us making this a house of prayer. That Jesus said this would be a house of prayer. And we need to maximize that because God will do one thing because we do that. We use the prayer room. We make that a vehicle for us. Just recently I was talking to the the youth and and was talking with jacob and i said man we need to get the youth involved in prayer ministry maybe you guys can be a an afternoon crew that comes in and has prayer time in here after school that might be a a fit for them but i think every pocket of our church should be praying don't you they should be praying they should be using the prayer room we've made an investment over here and i can walk in there at times and i literally go through the door and i feel the presence of God, and I feel the prayers that, are, that have already been. I don't even have to look at the papers yet. I, I can feel the power of prayer and the presence of God in that setting. That's an incredible thing. We need weekly activities with God, too. We need to memorize the Word of God. We need to be under the Word. We need to have fellowship with other believers. We need to mentor, be mentored Uh, in the lord and we may need to mentor others we need to share our faith with others we need to think and meditate on good and godly things you need to obey god and live obediently and let me just add one more principle that we need to add to our others that we're talking about today and that is this you need to lean on jesus just continue leaning on jesus you need to learn and continue learning from jesus last of all you need to be loving loving like Jesus. In the passage, notice this in verse 9 and 10, As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in me, in, if, you're, if you obey my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I've obeyed the Father's commands, and remain in His love. Senator Mark Hatfield did something pretty amazing. He went over to Calcutta, and he wanted to see the ministry of, uh, of Mother Teresa. He'd heard about it, read about it, but he wanted to experience that in, a, in a, a new way. And here's what was said. Mark Hatfield talked about the so-called house of dying. And there were people there that had leprosy, and there were people there that were terminally, terminally ill, and that's so many sick children that, that were in their last days. And he watched them work, and he says, he watched Mother Teresa minister and the others with her, and he said he's watching people die, and he just became overwhelmed, and he said to her later that night, on that particular night that so many had died, he says, how can you bear the load without being crushed by it? And Mother Teresa said, my dear Senator, I'm not called to be successful, I'm called to be faithful. I'm not called to be successful, I'm called to be faithful. Well, her task was not about healing anybody, was it? It was about comforting those that were about to die. That's not failure, that's success, isn't it? Maybe even she needs that redefined. It's interesting to see that Jesus said, By this shall all men know that you are my disciples. I never will forget coming back. I was coming back from Brazil. I'd been on a mission trip. I'd been preaching down there. And I was so excited to see my wife. And I think we had a few kiddos back then. And uh, she had seen Mother Teresa in the airport just before she saw me. Now this was the days before 9-11 when you could actually go out to where your person landed at the gate and greet them as soon as they got off the plane. Anybody remember that? Yeah. You could actually go out there. Well, no more, right? It's a different deal. So Kimma was there waiting on me and I'm, I'm all excited to see her and tell her about what God's doing in Brazil and we'd seen hundreds and hundreds of people come to Christ I had been involved in just some incredible ministry opportunities there. And it was just a great time. And, uh, and the Lord, and I get off the plane, and I'm, I'm trying to hug her. and she, she said, yeah, wait, wait a minute. I said, what? She said, I just saw Mother Teresa, and she was in the hallway coming down just a little bit before your plane got here. And I passed her, and she looked over at me and, like, blessed me. And I'm like, yeah, but I'm home, honey. Your husband's been gone. And obviously I had not been gone long enough, but she'd seen Mother Teresa and she was all jacked up about that. Mother Teresa had a a tremendous impact on the globe, didn't she? She left us an example of what it means to serve and to bless people and to take care of them in their dying moments. And she became famous for just being a servant of God, taking care of people. Isn't it amazing? The Bible says, and this is why I tell you this whole message. Here's the bottom line. The Bible tells us this. The Bible says in verse 11 of this same chapter that Jesus had told us these things. For what reason? Look at this. I told you this so that my joy may be where? In you. And that your joy may be complete. I told you earlier, I love joy. Don't you? I love to be joyful. I love that gift that God gives us. Jesus first, others second, yourself third. That living that life, you find the best possible life. Hmm. Leaning. Learning. Loving. If you'll follow that path with Jesus, you're going to be a success story. You're going, to, you're going to be famous in your own rights in the kingdom that you do what he's asked us to do. You will be productive in his kingdom and his individuals for Christ. Let's all stand up together. We're going to sing a song of invitation. And Father, I just ask that as we come together in just a moment to after this prayer, that Father, there are folks that might need to Adjust. their leaning on Jesus today. They may need to adjust their learning of Jesus. They're not in the Word like they need to be or they're inconsistent. Lord, they they may not be loving like they need to be. Father, we need to speak the truth, but we need to do it in love, and this culture's desperate for that. Lord, let let them find us as leaning on Jesus, learning of Jesus, growing as disciples, and being loving like Jesus. We ask this in Jesus' name. Help us to get on this path of productivity or to sharpen our path. In Christ's name, amen.